This is a post-Christian podcast. Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. All right, everybody. <sighs> Made it. I was uh, trying to find a parking spot for like 20 minutes. It was really... I don't know why everybody decided to come to Bryant Lake Bowl today and not church. Um, <laughs> seems to be our problem. We should start serving brunch. Um, yeah, so everybody's out there, and finding parking spots is fun, and snow and cold, and having two little munchkins, Minnie and Milo, today, very full of energy. Um, yeah, so what's going on? What is going on? What is going on? Is anything going on? Oh, well, this service usually posts a week later, except for you Instagrammers who are listening, all two of you. Um, we, uh, so when you're listening to this, the recording of this, I will be 44 years old. Right now I'm 43 years old. December 18th. So I'm getting old. And uh, I posted a picture of, uh, of uh, me and Pete from something we did, and it was only like 10 years ago, and everybody's like, you guys look like teenagers, what happened? And I'm like, 40. Once you hit 40, it just starts to happen. (laughs) Um, So yeah, pretty crazy. Um, So today, I was going to talk about brokenness, but we're not, because my buddy uh, Brent Kaysen is in town, and um, Brent travels around the world selling merchandise and supporting 7th Avenue, I guess, with his T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty big deal if he'll wear your venue T-shirt. No, no, he's not selling Brent Saves shirts or anything. He sells merchandise for other people. I got to see L7, well, I guess, about six months ago yeah. because Brent was working there. And then I got to hang out with him afterwards. And the lead singer said I, she thought I was a scene elder. And then she found out. A, then she found out I was Tammy Faye's son. And then she was like, "Oh, I just thought he was a scene elder," which is nice. I mean, elder. I don't know how awesome that is, but it, you know, it was nice. I was feeling pretty cool to have someone from L Seven say that's pretty awesome. Um, plus, I hadn't seen them for twenty years, and they were actually tighter than they are now. They're tighter now than they were even then. Anyhow, enough of that. Um, we'll get up and talk to Brent. So, Brent Kaysen from where are you from? Chicago now. But you were from Tampa, yeah. Florida. Yeah. Who comes from Tampa? Yeah. Nobody. And uh, yeah, so well, let's talk to Brent. Brent, come on up, grab a seat. You can pull up closer and stuff. You know how the audio stuff works. So why talk to Brent? Are we going to talk about the adventures of selling T-shirts on the road? Maybe, but no. Brent worked with Revolution back in Atlanta. Uh, back in. 2000. I moved there uh, the end of one. I literally moved there a week before, like my 21st birthday. It was the end of 2000. I moved there in September 2000. Okay. That's wild, dude. We're pushing 20 years that we've known each other. That's nuts. yeah. That's pretty weird. Yeah. Um. So you, we Revolution at the time had started. We started in Arizona in '94, and. Then we moved – well, then I moved to Atlanta and then wanted to start a revolution because I started 
examining the Bible and understanding grace in a new way. And so I was like, oh, I want to restart revolution. And that must have been like 96, 97, and um, started it. And then my dad asked me to move out to L.A. to do it out there. And I tried it for a year in L.A., and uh, it did not work um, because we were part of a really giant mega church that did not support what we were doing. And um, so then we moved back to Atlanta, and I went to work for my friend Philip Bray. And Philip Bray runs a church called, or runs a ministry called Safe House Outreach, where they work with homeless, inner city kids. They do like block parties uh, in housing projects for kids uh, a couple times a year on the weekends. They also had like an after school program in the Burbs, so they kind of covered a little yeah. bit of everything. Yeah. And they actually put me in a house for a little while that was in a really, and really bad And then I lived in that house Atlanta. years after you, you did. did. And looking back, that was the sketchiest thing. Then I was like, yeah, it's fine. Like, I'll I'll walk to the bus stop. I'll what? And looking back, it was, I no, found that an was apartment. like one of the worst parts of it. My house got, was, got broken into I three was times. Yeah. Three times. Yeah. Pretty scary. And the police never came. That was also fun. You call the cops and they'd never show up. I put deadbolts on my bedroom door because I figured by the time they broke in and the alarm started to go off, I also installed an alarm. By the time the alarm went off, I'd be safe to get out. And then little did I know, I was um, also getting uh, poisoned by, there was a gas leak. Oh, yeah. And so yeah. I was slowly being poisoned. I thought I was dying, was going to the yeah. hospitals and doctors, like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> that was a fun time. Yeah. But anyway, so you started working with, um, Atlanta was a big formable moment formable time for revolution is where I kind of really took it to a different place theologically. And you were, I had just gotten married, I think. Um, yeah, I did just get married. Yeah. I was 23. And you were working with Safe House? Were you volunteering for Safe House? Yeah, what were you doing? so my, going back to the Philip Bray thing, that was a family friend since I was a kid. So his dad was like my grandfather figure. My parents worked for his dad's church. His dad pastored like one of the biggest uh, Pentecostal churches in Atlanta. So back when my parents were in their 20s, they worked for his dad. So I've known him for the longest, and that's why I moved there was I knew, hey, he runs a center city outreach, didn't know what to do, went to college for like a couple semesters, and was just like, there's nothing I want to do. Also, my dad's a pastor, so I grew up preacher's kid. Same thing with both of us. It's what we have in common. And uh so didn't really know what to do, knew he ran that and knew a few other people there. And so I just thought, hey, I can move up there. Was born in Atlanta, still had a relative, so I had a free place to stay. Uh, so, you know, parents were stoked on that. So that's pretty much what I moved up there for. And, yeah, so I was working inner city outreach. They had uh, in the summer they would have youth groups come through and kind of help, right. help them make the – like sandwiches to pass out to homeless people or the meals that they would come through and do once a week. And that was my kind of what I helped facilitate, work with those teams and uh, and just fill gaps where needed. And that was just volunteering, interning. I still worked uh, crappy retail jobs and would do that a couple days a week. I didn't know you were doing retail. Yeah. So, yeah, they I mean, they weren't paying me maybe a little bit. And so that was kind of my and so and you because those teams would come. What happened was yeah. is revolution. We would do services there at the um, in downtown Atlanta. And so we they set up and let us we had an office in there and they let us do services. And there would be these groups of like youth group teams and sometimes like YWAM or yeah, yeah, yeah. uh 
yeah, that's, master's commission yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and stuff like that would come through to like, like, oh, we're going to work in the inner city, you know, and we'd be there. And so they would want to sometimes sit in on our service or talk to us. But we were pretty radical back then. Oh, for sure. And well, so- there were also photo boards, like bulletin boards of each ministry in like a main hallway. So they would see, here's what we do with inner city people. Here's what we do with like homeless reaching out. And there was one of revolution, but it was all goth people. It was punks. <laughs> it was mohawks. It was, which is really nothing looking back or even then for me, like I grew up on punk and he did too, yeah. but for people that came from church world bubbled, maybe a little sheltered. It's just like, how do these things go together? Like what in the world? And so I think I was kind of that person that was, Oh, well, here's what they do. Here's why they do it. Because I would go to his service. Uh, had never met him before I moved there. Uh, obviously was aware of his family growing up in church and my dad's a pastor. So I kind of knew that background. And so, um, yeah, so I was, I guess I was kind of there to say like a little buffer. You were the buffer. Hey, you yeah. were totally, he was like, let me explain to you what they're doing. Cause a lot of times when they would come to service, they would get really mad. Mm-hmm. Remember? Cause I'd say something. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like about a verse or something. I think I remember yeah. one of the ones was like, I was like, you know, Paul didn't, you know, I was talking about, um, when Paul's like, you know, um, Oh, you know what horrible person I am. I try to do what I want, but I can't. You know everything. I think is that in Romans or is that in? And he's like, I try, but I can't, and I fail. And somebody was really angry at me because they were like, "There's no way Paul wrote that in the in, in the tense mo- in that moment. He was referring to his t- life before he was a Christian. You know, because no Christian would struggle like that. You know, and I remember one of the youth pastors. I mean, had a long talk with me afterwards, but I always remember you were like the buffer between them. Yeah, yeah. And where were we meeting upstairs? Yeah, we were, yeah, we were still doing that upstairs. Upstairs, so upstairs yeah. And um, which were, would also be where those people like slept sometimes. I know. Like, sleep there. So we had, to, we had it to, was a weird. We had to set up yeah. and tear down everything. Yeah. yeah. And theologically, at the time, I was pretty grace driven still, and and talking a lot about grace and really pushing the envelope with grace. I had not become a gay affirming yet. Um, but I wasn't ever against it. Well, yeah, I was about yeah, I was about to interrupt you and say like, yeah, you weren't ever get, you just hadn't come out to actually say that. But that's, uh, I mean, honestly, working with him is what he's definitely the guy. He was the first person to put in that uh, that unconditional love and see it happen with people that you either a are not like or agree with or. Um, before he without without having an end game so growing up in church it's always my parents were great they've done incredible things they always helped my dad drove up drove buses bust in kids from housing projects to like their children's church back in the day so they've always been about it i've always enjoyed helping him at the um like food bank that poster pastors would rotate working at so i've always enjoyed those things and they've brought that taught us that but you never really saw it go to the point of, hey, we're not trying to get you saved or we're trying to get you to heaven. It's just, I'm going to be here. We're going to go through like the thick and the thin. We're going to go through the bad times, the good times, the Christmas parties, the mom having cancer, the thick and thin of everything. And so um, that's the first time I saw it in action. And that's where it was kind of like, a, oh, I've had, I've grown up with a lot, but this is a whole different version. And it's you grow. It's kind of wild that you grow up in church, and somehow it's the guy who's battled drugs, alcohol, 
has full back tattoos. <laughs> He's the reason, too. He's the reason I got tattoos. I got a lip piercing. <laughs> uh, my parents hated me for... No, they didn't. No. Not for a minute. But, they probably um, didn't like me for that. But, yeah, so he, you know, he put it all in action, and, uh, and that obviously is what's changed uh, me and kind of how I treat people. We had a huge life. community back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we were really involved with the community. Like, that's something that I feel like is missing in... in in Minnesota, I mean, obviously, we don't have a lot of people who come out. Um, we're mostly online now, and we're trying to connect the online community with each other. But that was such a thing as, like, we were funerals, weddings, Christmas parties. I mean, spending Christmas with people. You know I mean? We were just... Yeah, we were just in each other's lives. Like we just became like family. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It was. Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to say it was easier. I mean, you're you're younger. You don't have, I guess, as many commitments, families. But yeah, I mean, I think it was just the neighborhoods in Atlanta that we hung out in. We we threw shows, organized shows. Did a couple of those a month. Uh, you getting tattooed every other week helps with that when we're in tattoo <laughs> parlors uh so it's a ministry it's <laughs> yeah uh but yeah no you're right it was a lot uh more tight-knit but I, yeah i think it was just doing shows and that obviously introduces you to when all of us are going to all the same shows you're around well and, you're and we figure. were kind of becoming like the we were for a while one of the bigger hardcore shows because of jeremy rich venues venues yeah. hardcore venues in the city which yeah. was really weird because we were just a tr- like not even a church building. It was just like a big warehouse kind of. Yeah, yeah. It was real small. It only held maybe like it probably wouldn't have been two hundred people. And I think we definitely have put three hundred plus in there. And then Jeremy posted the other day. I think it was oh, it probably was o two or o three a show flyer, and we did uh, under oath and my chemical romance open for under oath and a band Brazil and that whole tour package cost four hundred and fifty dollars. For three my, bands. My Chemical Romance. Opened for Under Oath, yeah. And I, rem- <laughs> I remember that show vividly. I, I remember that whole day. Well, do you remember when it was? we had so many people in there that the walls started to bubble? Yeah, that would have been the, the Taken Back there- Sunday brand new Rufio show. Yeah. yeah. That people drove from every connecting state to come to. They were calling, we trying to get tickets online, lines, but we didn't do any yeah, online tickets. people were in line around the yeah. Around so we the did some venue. super sick shows. Uh, I mean, we had to pay a sound guy to come in and set up his PA. It was and, it was and, wild. But yeah. also, I mean, we had bands come in that were, we tried not to do too many Christian bands, but then you would also have to shut down when they uh, evangelized a bit. Oh, much, yeah. So. so I would have a talk. I, I had to have a talk with the Christian bands because <laughs> I had to be like, listen, you know, all right, we're going to be on with this straight edge band. They don't like Christians. They're not comfortable with that. And I don't want you getting up there preaching. And they're like, I would die for my God tonight. I mean, really in my face. I'm like, okay, I get that. You know, perfect. I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm going to be here when you go back on the road. And we're going to be in these people's lives. So I just need you to trust that, you know. And but I, I'm like, dude, just play the music, you know. Do what you want. I understand if you want to say a little something here and there. I'm like, just don't get too preachy. You know, like, just remember, you know, respect these people. Respect the differences here. We're com- this is a place for us to come together and hang out and have fun and not fight. Because all the venues, a lot of the hardcore venues, because a lot of the hardcore bands were Christian bands that were popular at the time. Yeah. 
but a lot of the hardcore venues were shutting down because so many fights broke out over all that crap. And so I was just like, let's just not bring that here. And to the point where we would go meet with like some of the people who like headed up the scenes, I would sit down with and be like, listen, if you guys want to fight, can you do me a favor and just make sure you walk out into the street and fight? Like just because you think by the time they get out, because they had to walk through a parking lot and then get out to the street, they might calm down. I don't think there was only two or three fights that actually really happened in the out there, but we would try to just like get them to go because we were just bringing different people together and be like, if you fight here, we'll get shut down. And we just don't want to get shut down. And, uh, it was really cool because we spent all the time with those, you know, getting to those folks. I used to work the door most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just so I could meet every person who came through and, um, and, and and we had to set up the whole thing, like this whole venue, and then there was a church service the next day. So we'd have to tear the whole thing down, remember? Set up chairs again. And set up set chairs like yeah. this for church the next day, you know, fix whatever we broke, because usually, because it was really low ceilings, you know, the bands like to jump up, so there's a lot of guitars going through through yeah. lights. Um, yeah, and it was really funny because it was just we we built we had so many good conversations. I had so many great conversations outside of that venue. Why the shows were going on? I don't remember any of the shows. Yeah, because I don't think I was ever inside for any of the shows. I was always outside hanging out with people, and um, that was such a neat time. Oh yeah, I mean we went to bars plenty, and um, he drank all the sweet tea. I don't. Well, I'll start saying I don't know how they would keep it in stock, but it was the South. It was Atlanta, so of course they're yeah. plenty. Uh, he would smoke cigars, sip on sweet tea, hang out with whoever, because you were at that time, like, I don't know, were you already at least a couple years more or so into um, not drinking? So, yeah. yeah, so it was just the Diet Cokes, still on point 20 years later. Yeah. Um, or the sweet tea. But we there was one we would always go to that had an outside patio. Um, and it was, uh, more of like a pub style and he, we were there tons and, uh, I just remember it was just, it was over the years. We're always there either like after revolution during the day, anytime. And at one point, one of the, it was a bartender, a manager, same thing where he's not saying anything about it. He may invite people to come to revolution, but it was, there was never any kind of an end game. There was nothing. And, uh, and I remember one of them pulled him aside uh, one day and told him that his, what is it, his mom yep. had um, had cancer that he had just found out like a day or two before and just wanted to confide in him. I think maybe say a prayer, like, hey, I don't believe in this thing, but like you're always around. You say this. I see you doing it. I don't know that I'm going to believe it's going to do anything, but like, hey, you want to do this with me? And it's just that living proof of that's why that guy is just kind of around hanging out, just living his life and how it impacts other people. There were definitely people that, you know, came, took, you know, it was maybe a couple of years and they finally thought, well, all right, I'll come around see what this thing's about. And whether they come or not, it's no big deal. Cause we're still going to go to patronize their bar. He's still going to get tattooed, still going to buy cigars from their <laughs> shop. It's good. It's always going to be something. So there was no, uh, Hey, you finally came. Let me dangle this over your, you know, trick you into coming. So, it's yeah, what it's, I admire about this guy and what I've oh, learned. Thanks, to just man. You just live your life. You do what you know you want to do. You just want to treat everybody how you want to be treated, obviously. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty killer to see all that uh, happen as opposed to what I grew up with of uh, I need to talk to people at work. I need to talk to someone. I need to tell <laughs> them about Jesus. I don't 
I don't want them not going to heaven kind of thing. And it's always that afterlife is the prize, unfortunately. Hey, but yeah, I mean, it was, it's strange that at that time I haven't thought about it in a long time because my life has taken such a switch and turn living here and New York for seven years and here for seven years. And, uh, you know, but it was like that early month, I just knew that it was life, you know, living, you just live your faith. You don't have to, everybody else was like, I'm going to build a church and we're going to have a building and we're going to get a really cool rock band and everybody will come out and see us. You know what I mean? And, yeah. or we'll get the kids out through this, this and this. And we were just over like, no, we don't want to be like creating a community. We want to be in the community. That was the thing is like, we don't want to create a community. And a lot of people go to church for a community. And I think that's probably why we don't do so well here in Minnesota is because we've never really tried to create a community. Um, we always wanted to be a part of the community. Yeah. yeah. And so that's what we did. And I mean, I think majority of people we were closest to, not maybe the majority, but a good part of the people we were closest to never came to church. They may have, their band may have played yeah. at a show, but that would have been it. Yeah. Like I think one of our biggest donors, her band played. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah she yeah. played yeah. our show, um, and uh, but never came to service. But knew who yeah. we were, knew what we did, didn't, but for some reason believed what we did. You know, and it, it was really strange. And I got a job working at the local record Records, store, yep. Criminal Records there, um, and that was really cool. And it was just, you know, and I didn't even have to. I like I said, I told somebody I wanted to work there. They told somebody else. I walked in one day, and they're like, Jay, we're going to put you on the schedule. You know, and that was the cool thing about being a part of a community like that was it was just not, you were just real. It was just really there. I mean, no, you didn't, you know, it was just, it would be funny. There'd be street preachers and I get my phone or my pager back in the day. My pager would blow I did, up. I but, did have a pager that he used to have to page me on if I needed to call him for like a meeting or, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'd have to I like, had a cell phone before that for some reason. Didn't I up there maybe the cell phone yeah. for years. Yeah. Phil was always trying to make it a cell phone. I was like, yeah. Phil, I don't want a cell phone. Just hit me up on my pager. Yeah. And they'd page me like stores would page me from little five points and be like, "There's a street preacher out here. Can you come out here and talk to him or shut him up?" And I'm like, "I don't think I can do anything, but I'll try." You know, it's funny that, like, that I just forget all the the community we had. I mean, we had and we've had a lot of tragedies that we went through too. You know, and since then we've had some of like the Atlanta Revolution. People. Members pass, and yeah. it's, it's a rough thing. It's you really see that rough, pop up on like like, social media. It's like, it's like oh, I yeah. haven't talked to that person in like a decade. Because they were man. family, yeah. and it was family. And I feel like it's weird to think back on time and, and reminisce over the past, but, I mean, it's like I've seen – I've been a part of what a church can do. And it was people like Kelly and, and, and Brent and oh, – Jeremy, Jeremy and Hannah, Sarah, and Lydia, Sarah and yeah. Lydia, and all these people who just—it wasn't me. It was just being a, having a group of people who just knew what community was and just loved each other and cared about each other and did something. And we didn't have to always—we didn't have to come up with a plan. You know, obviously, you can see we're not a very planned, organized group. Yeah. Um, we just lived life, and we all loved this idea of grace and, and, and faith. And my theology has definitely evolved since then. And changed, and I don't even know if I could do what I did back then now, but um, it was a great time. I mean, I'm always been, I'm always tempted to go back to Atlanta because I just, it was, I mean, I still, on, thank God for Instagram and Facebook. I yeah. still talk to like Phil. Oh, I love social media. You know, tattoo parlor and yeah. all these other people, and we keep in touch. Cool. 
and they hit me up and it's you know chuck yeah just hit me up a couple days ago and it was like hey man i'm going through this you know I was yeah. like, oh man you know i'm here if you need me and i'm um, lucky because i travel a lot so i see Gigi and addison like several times a year and i haven't seen them in years yeah you know but i know my ex-wife amanda has been close to them i know her and kelly i think live together now in yeah. north carolina which is really crazy yeah. and kelly was one of the founders of revolution who i talked into moving to atlanta from california which was pretty crazy that she did that um i don't know this might be exciting for some of you are but this whole thing is like this is the foundation of what this church has been built on you know and i know what's possible in community and so when i when people say well why are you so why are you so critical or why are you this why do you because i've done it i've been in it i mean we had Lots of people come to Revolution back then, and the Rolling Stone magazine, yeah. and all these, all this news stuff, and we were constantly, you know, in, in the paper locally, and it was like which one of those things where it was just like, well, then it was the fringe stuff, you know, and that's why, it was yeah, like, it, was it was a crazy. Thing. It was like, oh, you guys are so crazy, but it was uh, we were able to do yeah. something, you know, and I and I see these churches all trying to do stuff, and they're always trying to do stuff in their building. And I'll be like, the biggest curse that you can do as a church is have a building. All these big churches are starting to lose their buildings or they have these empty buildings and they don't know what to do. And it's just like, just live, pick a community and live in it. You don't have to change the world, you know? I, I picked little five points, a small little shopping area in Minnesota that I was like, I mean Minnesota, in Atlanta. And I was like, I'm just going to hang out there. I'm just going to be there as much as I can. And that's what I did. And... um then I was like, oh, what are they? Oh, I found out that like venues were getting shut down. I was like, well, how do we start a venue? Yeah. You know, you just like, we just did it. Yeah. And then somehow you single handedly uh, enacted a change at a church that you didn't even attend for one of the most awkward moments, if you attend church, uh, of the service. Me growing up in church, I still hated this five minute period of time that's always after the singing. What's next? <laughs> It's the whole, yeah, greet one another. I just, I'm a personal person, but I just I don't want to do that. Like, can we just move on? I don't want to hug so the person even, next to me. Even growing up in church, doing that all my life. Just, nah, like, I'd rather just, let's just move on to the service. I don't want to talk to everyone. <laughs> and so a lot of us, he didn't go. A lot of us had started going to, and this was, you know, years later, but a lot of us had started going to um, another church as well and I remember so that, yeah and i guess maybe some of us were all can kind of just maybe we were just getting together venting like i am now about it one night and you're just like i should just talk to chris like just just tell him like no that should just be fellowship and next thing you know it's just a timeout break and like hey go get coffee and donuts or go to the bathroom and it turned into break time oh is that which I was just the like pastor? drop the mic like tight you just you don't even go here and you just switch the game for us and so yeah then it That's turned hilarious. into this bathroom break grab a drink which is perfect and uh i think everybody should do but you know. <laughs> no more greeting your neighbors anybody and it was funny because my talk with him about being gay affirming did not go over so well mm, no, no, no. <laughs> that no, happened later um, yeah unfortunately one, we shot. have like one of our friends and revolution members was going and that was a bad uh bad scenario so um, yeah that that yeah. got he did not like that conversation. Yeah. And unfortunately, my friend left that church and I don't think attends a church at all anymore. Yeah. And there was another thing with one of the bands who was the one who supported us. Um, I was out of town and this other Christian band came and got up and preached. 
about and kind of preached against the other band. And, um, and that band never came back and they never supported us again. And they were yeah. super hurt by it, you know? And I tried to talk to like, and then I got a call from the church that that band was a part of. Yeah. They're like, what's going on down there? And I was like, I'll tell you what's going on there. You just freaking completely ran off some people who just had an inkling of hope about the church and believed in it. And they're gone now because they, this is what they expected. And they finally got what they expected. And these were punk rockers who made me look like nothing. Yeah. You know, I mean, they were mohawks covered in tattoos, but they were just super on fire for Jesus. Yeah. Oh. Well, and, you know, also, you know, going back to like the, the safe house thing and just, uh, you know, holding true to what you want. I mean, he lost tons of funding. We had to cut, we cut the staff in half at one point. I mean, yeah, you brought me on, so I was on part-time for a while, and we were up to four to six people, uh, you know, but at some point when he came out and was, you know, um, was openly gay-affirming um, and just other things, you know, that he was exploring with theology, you start losing that funding, but that's something that he just doesn't care about, and I think that's where more people need to be, and that's why you find a lot of kind of ties into what you grew up with as well. It's why you have a lot of either bigger pastors, people on TV who don't want to, whether or not they believe it or not, but especially if they do, they're not going to come out in favor of that because there goes all their funding. There goes the house. There goes everything else. You know, and you're also not talking about a guy with like a house and a few cars. It was like he already was, you know, barely making ends meet. And then to come out and still say, hey, this is what I believe. These are my friends, family, people that I spend time with taking that risk. And sure enough, like losing money or losing the building in the office. And, uh, you know, it's just something that goes to his, you know, character. And there again, what I learned a lot from, uh, I mean, that's also something that we grew up with. Like we both grew up skateboarding. Um, yeah. In that kind of punk slash rock, whatever world, it's just more of like, you just stand for what you believe in and you don't really waver on who's trying yeah. to influence you. Yeah, it's weird. It's funny because, yeah, we went from being under the church to I got let go. Yeah. And um, I don't know if I ever told you this. It's been 20 years, so I guess I can talk about it now. No, I think you told No, I mean, no I've told you, have you? No, I, you, we, you just did like this last... We've hung out a lot in the last like yeah. year or two. We went probably a decade, and then literally the last two years, I've seen him probably a couple times, three times a year or something. So now it's like picking way back up. Uh, no, go ahead, though. I think no, you but did tell me while we were hanging why, because it well, was... Well, one like of the reasons... Yeah. One of the reasons I got fired was because I wouldn't fire him. <laughs> but like, that went back to a little bit of drama there again where I knew yeah. the family that owned that it organization. Was, and I probably got a little bit too comfortable and a little bit bold with my, uh, I don't know. Brent's I guess old, we could say Brent's anger. an old soul. And by old soul, I mean he's like an old man, like a grumpy old man. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm halfway there now, but I was still there at like If you follow him on social media, it's like... It's better. It's better. I'm what, real. What is, back. Guy, what is the guy? Um, curb your enthusiasm. Oh yeah, Larry David. Larry, oh, I'm a real life Larry. You're kind of like sure. a real life Larry yeah, David. Yeah, yeah. You don't see it right now. Yeah. I used to call him Curious George because he'd always pick up stuff and look at it. Like I just sit something on the ground, the table, and he'd look at it. So one time I just I found this. Oh, I was always using your Zippos. As yeah, well. so I found a shock lighter, an electric shock lighter, and just sat it on the table and like a moth to a flame. Woo! <laughs> 
<laughs> it was the greatest thing I ever saw. Came up um, off my And you used to go to Branson with us. Remember we used to take Yeah, we went to Branson, Missouri. I was just to Branson, I was Missouri. literally just seeing photos of that the other day. I was going through old photos in my apartment trying to find one which I sent one to him. Uh yeah, went and yeah, met your dad and Lori. Back um, back then when it, my dad wasn't really super conservative yet, he would have us out for we would go out for staff retreats. That was a pretty fun time. It was nice. Yeah, we'd go to dinner, we went to that Dope Mexican spot, and we probably all drink margaritas except you, for him. And then yeah, you guys like, drank yeah. a lot on that. I thought my dad was going to disown me because uh, the hotel room probably looked like a freaking rock band. Nah, we weren't. We weren't that bad. Um, yeah, but that's another neat thing. I'm glad that I got to meet. Oh, and Matt DeBenedict, his parents. Too, yeah. yeah, Matt. Yeah, of course, Matt. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. It was great meeting his parents at different points of being in Atlanta oh, yeah. and being able Met to actually meet them after. You know, you know who they are for your whole childhood and upbringing, uh, and you know, just seeing the personal side of it. But uh, yeah, I'm really glad that happened. Um, what also, also, I've wondered. I don't think we've talked about this. So, how did uh, did you like? Did you guys go to church or anything on a Sunday? So you no, like obviously dad, gave it all and did it. But did they have it? I'm sure they probably had it on grounds for people. No, that my came. dad did church. Your dad did it too. My on dad worked of? five days a week and then wow. preached on, on top Sundays. of recordings. Yeah. My dad's a workaholic, yeah. so he loves to work. Um, okay, me? that's crazy. Not so, so much. Yeah. Um, yeah, so pretty crazy. Um, okay, I don't know how I did. I don't know how they did. My mom did that show and then another show, and they did Sunday. So it was. Oh, I hated Sundays. Um, yeah. Well, we had. Uh, I always hated it because it was always like Sunday, Sunday school, Sunday morning, no, Sunday that's night. What it was. It was Wednesday Sunday. night. And what I do love is as the years have gone on, my parents have started to realize some of those certain things aren't great. They like don't dress up as much. They start cutting a service or two. <laughs> but I mean, growing up in that strict world was just a little wild because it's, you know, obviously we're expected to, we're the kids, but even families, it's, oh, so-and-so wasn't there this morning or they missed two weeks. We better call them and see what's up. And then I get older and adult and you start thinking, uh, yeah, they have two kids. They got a grocery shop, cut the grass, wash the car, have a soccer game, a dance recital. Yeah. yeah maybe they take a Sunday or two off, but yeah. it was just that ingrained of you should always be there. And then I think as, you know, as I got older and I think they've started realizing they cut, I don't know, Sunday night, things like that. Like, yeah, you need more family time. Like Caleb's being the children's pastor right now. And yeah. Caleb's also the audio guy and does all the other stuff. And because I have the kids a day, I mean, I don't can, can come otherwise. And it's like, I've been pastoring the church. Yeah. You know what I mean? When my kids are here, it's insane. And then we have families who come with their kids sometimes, but most of my friends with kids, they can't come to Revolution because we don't have a children's church. So I get the need for a building. Yeah. It's tough. Um, I guess, I mean... I guess what I would wonder is, like, you came into Revolution, since this is a Revolution service, um, you came into Revolution, pretty innocent kid. Yeah. Um, oh. I think I saw you the, take your the, first the, drink. The, yeah, you did, yeah. With, like, a, like a fruity water fly. I used to give you a joke, give you a hard time, because I always it, said you drank ladies' drinks. It would, um, oh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, Amanda. Not to gender Anybody. Yeah, Amanda's the one that gave me my first drink and just started feeding me the... My ex-wife. Literally the alcoholic Kool-Aid that just, you're just like, mm, take yeah, like, like three, here, four, five of these guys. Good. Yeah, Amaretto Sours. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, so I just drink those. I think he drinks beer out of style. now. He's yeah. a man now. Um, no, I'm kidding. I, I mean, I am. But I did come in. I'm gonna get, right. I did I'm gonna, come in. I'm going to get shit for that. Innocently. Okay. No, for what? For 
gendering all that stuff. Oh, but no, no. That was 20 years ago before no, we no, were talking no. about that stuff. No. Um, now I'm a respectable, loving, yes. inclusive person. Yeah. Um, I was just a southerner, um, punk rocker, didn't know better. Um, and when you're a recovering alcoholic, you want everybody to drink. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, it just feels good. Yeah. Um, but you came into Revolution very innocent, very like, you know, I mean, what, what, was, what was the takeaway? Because eventually everything kind of went... <laughs> I can't even remember. And I just, no, I don't know what happened at the end there, honestly. Oh, that, okay, yeah. So, but how that happened. But I just kind of yeah. was curious, like, what was the just... What, what did you come out of with? What did you come out of Revolution with that you didn't have when you came through? I mean, you've oh, kind of said that already. So, yeah, but just yeah. so a little things, things and maybe I mean, I did how come, it wrapped up. Yeah, so, I mean, it was, we'll it was... Uh, Definitely came in uh, the no tattoos, no piercings. It definitely grew up skating, had a little bit of an edge. But, um, you know, coming in with you guys, I think part of it was like the shows we put on, having that group of people, the acceptance that I kind of took away from that too, being involved, went to plenty of shows growing up in high school and whatnot, but not really having the community or a crew of people where you were just always at the same show. So it was, you know, that was the first time that I felt, Hey, I don't really feel like I belong. Cause I don't have the tattoos. I don't dress as quote unquote cool. I don't whatever, but it, it, there was the openness to, Hey, come, let's, let's go to the shows. Let's hang out. I just felt like one of them, despite not looking like them at all and sticking out like a sore thumb. And, uh, so that was, uh, you know, one of the earlier things that I loved about it, but it was, you know, with him, like I said, it honestly, it was just, it's, it's putting it in action. So it's what you, um, you know, what he says is what he actually does. So I think just having that crew of people, um, seeing you just hang out and just live your life and realizing, Hey, that's kind of all that matters. Um, I think that it was, you know, a combination of the shows that, um, you know, you just being totally, open, honest. Uh, that originally was what got me, and that's what kind of got me on that track of, wow, this is kind of weird that I grew up in church, but this is not how I was taught to treat other people who didn't think like me. So, you know, when you have that, you start having, you know, that rubbed off. Then it was the physical things like the tattoos, <laughs> piercings. I remember just going home telling mom ahead of time, like, hey, mom, by the way, I'm coming home for Christmas, and <laughs> there's probably going to be a tattoo that shows. And, uh, and then there were, you know, she was the most curious one. Um, and now I have a mom tattoo, and she didn't love it as much as I thought she would. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so those things early on, I mean, that's what honestly shaped who I am now and who I kind of became was um, the inclusion, um, the openness just being with people thick and thin and, you know, came on staff, helped put on shows. Uh, but at some point it was, yeah, I got, um, you know, you had to downsize or, or had to cut me, unfortunately. So because from the, the first from person, upper management, the first person I ever let go, that so, was really tough. Um, but that was also like a weird time in life because I had a, uh, my first long-term relationship broke up at the, like the same time. Yeah. So I have, uh, I have a human heart that's being stitched up that I got tattooed literally, I think my third, second or third tattoo. Uh, and basically because of that, the revelation thing 
the relationship. Uh, and I remember you seeing it later on. You're like, oh, sweet. It looks like a pair of lungs. Yeah. The veins. Yeah. So. I'm nice. That That's also him. Just, uh, yeah, ragging on your new tattoos. <coughs> so every time. If I'm not and slapping them. <laughs> if I'm not getting them, then I'm not going to be happy about yeah. yours. Uh, and so there's a combination of that. I had to go back to working a lot more. Working retail, probably working nights a lot. Um, a little bit of hurt feelings. And so at some point I wasn't. Uh, really attending much, and you guys have moved it to like masquerade and whatnot. Yeah, and uh, so that was kind of a bummer that I let that those things kind of skew. I mean, also it was I think it was more personal, not because of you letting me go so much as uh, it being family friends yeah. that like my parents have known since they were young. Yeah. It's like, oh wait, that's the guy that's kind of causing this to happen. So a lot of personal stuff, but. You know, moved, ended up moving back to Florida. And, uh, yeah, didn't, we didn't hang out for a while. Uh, I mean, social media was kind of a thing, not a big one, because that was still MySpace days and whatnot. Yeah. I but it's been good. That's what I love about social media is you can keep in touch with friends. You feel like you're just kind of growing up with them, even if you don't see them for a decade. And, uh, you know, really, I think I just want whoever's listening uh, and out there today, like I've said before. I mean, it's just, this guy does what he says, and he's the, uh, I mean, it changed my whole theology at, you know, growing up for 20 years in church, going, wow, that's a lot different, and that actually, yeah, that that's the way to be. Thanks, man. So, um, but I'm glad we got back on uh, hanging out. Me too. Good terms. Uh, well, we weren't on bad terms. We just, just, just kind of left. I moved. You don't talk much. Also, Jay is a, for as much as he talks and does this thing funny get up here chat all day long dude you hang out and you go to a coffee shop and it's just like what what are we gonna talk about it's like going to going going with your dad that you, like me and my dad we don't talk we don't not get along we just we don't talk a lot i can call him on the phone he's like yeah it's hot again today yeah you live in florida you live in tampa dude like it, i i could gather that i'm very introverted and so he is. I mean, you probably know that now with social media because he posts a lot of uh, introverted. Yeah, uh, I try to tell people yeah. I'm an introvert. But um, very, very chill dude. Uh, very quiet guy. But uh, definitely some of the best times of my life. And it's what shapes me and how I treat people. So thank you very much for being that person to so many people. And obviously, I'm one guy saying it. And it's happened to who knows how many people over the course of you doing that. Uh, you know, since you were a teenager, so thanks. Thanks, buddy. I didn't bring you up here to encourage me, but you sure did. Um, and it's funny because the past year of my life, I've been going through so much turmoil with my divorce and everything. And um, and it's funny because it's funny when you have trauma, how you kind of get stuck in a portion of time in your life, you know. And I feel like I've been stuck in kind of like the past six years of my life. And so it's nice to kind of talk about that stuff and go back and be like, oh, I had a lot of life before that, you know? It's not all summed up in my past, just my little past trauma here. You know, there was other traumas, but other things, and you lived life, and you did it well. Oh, okay. And it kind of gives you hope for the future. So all this stuff about, like, put the past behind you and move forward, you know? Maybe sometimes look back a little bit further than the trauma and remember life and when it was truly beautiful, and that was a really beautiful time. That and New York was a beautiful time too. It's just different. Anyhow, um, real, since I know we're probably going long, and I don't have my phone to look at my time, and I took off my watch. 
What time is it? Anybody? It's only five after twelve. Five after twelve, so we're running a little late. But we usually do a uh, afterglow, which is right now, where we just we um, <laughs> there's no mics hung, plugged in for the afterglow. So yeah, okay, no worries. Always responsible, Caleb. Do you responsible? Well, this is just where we all kind of get feedback. Um, is there any feedback from? Yeah. Oh, it's not. We're not recording. Okay. You act like someone who's never used the phone before. <laughs> he just wants to make sure it doesn't shut off. How do I? <laughs> but he develops phones. <laughs> Aren't you a phone developer? <laughs> Is he an app developer? Nice. Yeah. We got to get you on Instagram, man. We can put like a f- phantom face and a fake name. No comments. Any comments today? I know this is a weird service. This wasn't a sermon. This was just a conversation. Welcome. Glad your first time is just really weird. Are you guys from here? Rochester. 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 Oh, wow. But we're just up here seeing family things, so it's like a good opportunity to finally come. I, uh, my dad was in Rochester. In prison, not the yeah, not yeah the and, and that's when I, I when we first came to Minnesota. I didn't grow up in Minnesota. My parents met in Minneapolis, but was in Rochester, and so I spent a lot of my teenage years in Rochester, Minnesota. I actually kind of liked Rochester. It was like my dad got transferred to another prison in Jessup, Georgia, and literally it was like two hotels and a subway. So compared to Rochester, it was a lot different, you know. Um, yeah, I don't know. there's a flea market or something that happens out there once a year, twice a year or something that I really want to go to. Gold yeah, Rush. Gold Rush. Yeah, Gold Rush. Yeah. Yeah, I really want to check that out. Oh, this guy in flea markets. <laughs> yeah. We had our share of those. We don't, they, don't, they have some sort of thing here in Minneapolis that they can't have flea markets. like some sort of old school. So weird law. Yeah. yeah, it's really weird. So I'm always having to go out of, I miss flea markets. Flea markets are awesome. Um, yeah, it's so many belt buckles from flea market. Yeah, I do. I have a whole lot of belt buckles. Unfortunately, I don't really wear them anymore. Anybody? Any any comments? Any questions? Yeah. Brett, where do you live now in Chicago? I live in pretty much like the Logan Square neighborhood. It is maybe four to five miles, like northwest of downtown, like right off the blue line. And are you affiliated with a religious organization or a community? I'm not. I was going to. Uh, she was asking if I was affiliated with a church or religious organization. I uh, was going to uh, a church. Man, it's probably been a couple years since I have it, but I was going to one that I enjoyed teaching of. Um, pastor was openly gay, married for man, maybe coming up on 10 years or more or something. And I loved it. It was more of, I'm pretty sure it was uh, Methodist affiliated, but they just met like a theater, a small theater. Mm-hmm. There again, where like they literally do plays and active things certain nights of the week, and they would have to move stuff out of the way off the stage. And it was, really enjoyed the teaching. And he, it's funny because I did what my parents hated uh, about a lot of churchgoers. Is, you know, a pastor leaves, moves to another church, and then a lot of people just peace out. They don't stick around for the next guy. And he 
his husband had gotten an offer to move. He was from England, like move back overseas and work with a university. So it was one of those things like, hey, I did my time. I'll go. We'll go support you. So he moved, and it was just one of those things like that's what I loved about it was him and his teaching and the way he did it. So I just kind of didn't go back and just have it. And I think I'm, you know, question a lot of things and it's just one of those things like it's always floating around in the back of my mind but I just haven't been anywhere I mean I could go I mean Sunday I mean now it's harder the last two years I went back to tour world so for the longest I was doing nine to five stuff and you had the weekends and now I'm gone for oh man two thirds three quarters of the year or something um sometimes I would listen to podcasts uh you know and I feel like that's kind of the typical I don't know younger person waiting like, oh, I'm not going to church I'll just listen to podcasts we appreciate people who just yes. listen to podcasts well no of course um, and so you know it's some of those help and I do enjoy listening but I think at this point you know it's I'm just kind of I don't know floating along I guess but uh, yeah it's um, yeah I mean that's that's a tough thing uh, with a lot of churches I mean I was, I've been to a few in Tampa I've got friends that work at some that have the light shows and whatnot, and you realize, you know, at some point they're doing it for a decent reason, or trying to get a crowd that doesn't want that, and then at some point, that was just like, yeah, no, that's, I mean, that was a long time ago, but it was, you know, it's been neat to be a part of some smaller churches that grow, and then at some point, you know, focus kind of shifts, and it's not really what you want to follow along with. How did, how did you hear about this? Um... Well, I after the election, yeah. the last presidential election, I was looking for a sane Christian voice, and um, I just I heard I knew who Jay was, and I heard one of his well his response to the election on the internet, um, kind of what do we do now? And I just felt like he was authentic, and he was authentically uncertain how to respond and I, I feel like that's that like honesty or clarity the honesty and the fact that he didn't he was looking for the right way to yeah. he was looking for what does it mean to say that I believe in Christ in this milieu What's in which we now? live right and I so I've been coming ever since very nice. Any other burning desires or questions? Otherwise, we're gonna... Yes? Just curious on Revolution Church and your take on it also, what the relevancy or necessity of Jesus Christ in relationship to grace and salvation. Well, I mean, I wouldn't know about grace if it wasn't for the story of Christ, but to be honest with you, I didn't understand that for 20 years. Um, and for me, it was reading Paul. I always tell people I'm Paulinian, and uh, a lot of progressives aren't Paulinian. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's red, the resident Christians, you know, they think Paul's a jerk, and he can be, and sometimes it's not him at all. Um, it's people pretending to be Paul. But, sorry, can you Oh shoot! Yeah, we've got it all recorded on here. The centrality of Jesus. Yeah. What's that? The necessity of and relevancy of Jesus Christ 
in relationship to grace and salvation? The necessity. Um, I don't know. I, I don't honestly don't think you said a prayer get you saved or anything like that. Um, I don't know about... I don't know what makes you a Christian anymore, to be honest with you. Um, I know what the Bible says. I also disagree with atonement theory because I believe that was their best understanding of the time. And I can preach a whole sermon on that. Um, I believe Jesus came to show us who the nature, what the nature of God truly is and was killed because of that. Um, I believe in their eyes the sacrificial system was the best they can understand because I, I can't understand how a God would need anything like why do, would God need a punishment or a blood sacrifice I mean I've being Paulinian I understand what Paul's view is on that but I also understand it from a, a uh, as he was a, uh, a rabbi and a teacher familiar with that system um, I don't know I mean for me grace is I know grace because of Jesus and because of Paul and they really put that through to me. And so that was always the message. I mean, back back to the days we're talking about, I wanted everybody to be saved. I wanted everybody to come to Jesus. That was the whole point of the church, I think. You know, I was like, I wasn't trying to save anybody. Yeah, you weren't trying to, but but it but it's, it is what you yeah. wanted. I mean, it's what but I wanted. It's just a, hey, I'm here if you want to hang. Cool, if not, it's fine. You know, now what I want is to see the church become a safer place. And I don't care if you're a Christian or not. You know, what I, you know, I want you to be able to feel love and inclusion here. I want you to feel safe here. Um, but ultimately, I, I, I think if my theological understanding of what of God and Christ and Paul and the apostles and all that is 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 right, then I just don't think I have to worry about it. It's not my job to worry about. It's my job to love people the best I can. And um, and I can tell people about it all day, but what they do with it isn't... I'm not, I'm not an insurance agent. I'm not insurance, not insurance. I'm not, well, I'm not an insurance agent, and I'm not a real estate agent. I'm not selling property that you'll eventually be able to move to in the future. I don't believe in a literal hell. Because of theology, and because of taking classes, and because of reading Greek and Hebrew, and because of our historical backgrounds, so to me, I don't feel like I'm trying to get anybody saved from anything. What I'm trying to help people do is realize that they're broken. We're all broken, and we all deserve grace. And we all deserve to give ourselves grace, you know, because we're all just human beings. We're all full of contradictions. It's it, it, it Kant who talked about the contradiction, you know, and, and living in that contradiction, and that life, you know, is not all about being happy either. You know, everybody thinks they need to be happy, and I think that's a trap. I think it really destroys people's lives because they think they should be happy, and then they get in a marriage, they get in a thing, and they go, "I'm not happy." Well, you know, life is suffering. If we go outside of our country, you know, most of the world is suffering horribly. You know, but somehow we believe that there's this like thing that we deserve to be happy, and that freedom is the pursuit of happiness. You know, I love it that my friend Pete Rollins said, "Grace is the freedom from the pursuit of happiness." And learning to live in that, which is not always easy, because I suffer from depression, and so when I'm not happy, I'm really freaking not happy. Um, I'm in a real transition period right now with my theology and understanding and working philosophy into it, and working kind of the uh, uh, pyro theology into it, and, and, and uh, uh, I can't remember what the other theology is called right now. The top of my head, radical theology into it as well, you know, and and. Uh, 
but I bring everything to the table. That's it. That's all I got. But to me, grace is the most valuable lesson I've ever learned. And it's what I want to live by. And it's how I try to live and treat others, you know. And without Jesus, I wouldn't have that. So do I still call myself a Christian? Yeah. Just probably not the most traditional sense, I guess. But still, I believe, you know, I'm a follower of Christ. Yeah. Even when I don't believe. You know, because I have times where I don't feel like there's anything there. Like God's not there anymore. And I still like, all right, well, I'll follow Christ. You know, I'll follow, I'll, I'll break the message of grace. And that's what I try to do is just, I was going to give up and quit the ministry altogether. And my friend of mine, Pete, said, don't do it, man. He's like, you've got the message of grace. You know, you've got that from Christ. You take it, continue to move forward with it. You know, and that's what I do, you know. And I, I wish I could get away from Jesus sometimes, but I can't. <laughs> Just pulls me back in, you know. Think, oh, Jesus was a jerk right there, and then all of a sudden something else happens, you know. Anyway, I'm a heretic, so there's no ifs, ands, and buts about that. Um, always have been, and will probably die one. Um, anybody else? No, yeah, no. I, Thank you. We, it was a super long service, but thanks for coming, guys. Thank you. So Thank you. You're welcome. We'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. If you enjoyed this show, you might also like Loosen the Bible Belt with Kristen Becker and myself, Jay Baker. Can I get an Amen. We're living in a society that's like money buys comfort and ease. Yes. And and at the core of that, it's trust, right? I mean, at, at the it's a it's a mistrust of of allowing yourself vulnerability. Yeah, and you see both sides doing it. You see the progressives want to be comfortable with their life and say, you know, all conservatives are bad. And then you see the conservatives doing it, and they want their way of life, and they're both seeking comfort. And what we've been talking about doing with the Loose in the Bible Belt podcast and tour is saying we want to create a space where people can come and be uncomfortable and disagree well. And we've lost the art of disagreeing well because we all want to be taken care of and be affirmed. And it's like, you know, when are we going to grow up? You know, it's not about being happy and comfortable, not for the progressive and not for the conservative. Yeah. And, and in fact, right, that that tension that we cannot handle actually creates more animosity. Yes. Right. Yes. We begin to dehumanize the other that we disagree with to the point that we can no longer. I mean, shit, we can't we can't even sit next to each other and worship the deity together. That's pathetic. That was a post-Christian podcast.